Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm not going to pass you again. Yes, sir. Let's go, man! Yes, sir. Dude, I, I'm, I'm telling you, we've been excited about this. I, I thought we lost here when we moved up. And I'm excited to get you here. We're excited to get you here. we got a heck of a foundation growing, man. It's going to be fun. Feel me? Yes, sir. I can't wait. All gas, brother. Let's roll, man. Hey, I'm going to... What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at willpaw 11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by the TOJ founder, Badlands host, uh, Jets Twitter extraordinaire, Joe Capro. So, Joe, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Always happy to be back on the uh, Mothership podcast. <laughs> yeah, very, uh, it's very exciting times. We just, uh, you know, OTAs wrapping up, uh, wrapping up this afternoon and um, you know, kind of exciting, exciting week getting to see Zach Wilson throw a little bit person with some of the veterans around. Saw at the Knicks game, which I know uh, juiced you up a little bit. Obviously, I don't like the Knicks for everyone that follows me on Twitter, but um, a lot of exciting stuff. Kind of wanted to get your, uh, you know, your takeaways from OTAs. Obviously, we can obviously all overreact, but uh, what, what was your maybe over biggest overreaction the last couple of days watching us in the clips? It's just it. It's good to see some positive energy around the team. Obviously, the attendance numbers are, are exciting. I, I think a lot of teams, you know, kind of pump that out. But there's definitely a much more, a lot more enthusiasm and optimism and positive energy around the team. Even including the silly things like seeing Dan Feeney chugging a beer at an Islanders game and solid the Knicks game. Uh, the early returns on. Uh, Wilson have all sounded positive. Again, it's ridiculously early, and these are not padded practices, but. You're not hearing anything negative or concerning yet. And it does seem like Salah is really hitting the ground running as, as a front man for this organization, which is encouraging to see. So I think, you know, we want to get through OTAs without any injuries. We'll, we'll get into that quiet period before training camp picks up. But it does really feel like night and day with the energy around this team compared to last year when it was just hard to be enthusiastic with the coaching staff they were bringing back. Yeah, no, 100%. I think the the biggest things that stood out to me, uh, you know, from just the clips we saw, seeing C.J. Mosley in a helmet practicing was really exciting. Um, I, we can get into that in a little bit. But, you know, obviously there's only a couple of guys not there. Beckton dealing with some personal issues. Marcus May obviously in the contract negotiation. And, um, you know, seeing Zach Wilson throw in person, a lot of stuff, everything I've heard from the guys that have worked out with him so far that I've spoken to have all said the zip on the ball is uncanny and just absolutely rips it. And then to see that kind of echoed by people that got to watch him in person uh, this week has been really exciting. I just think there's a good energy. There's a, the culture seems to be changing again. 
you just mentioned it. This is not even a training camp practice at this point. It's almost like a basically a college spring ball practice. But I do think all these little baby steps are important. It is cool to see the Jets at some of these playoff games. And, you know, whether it's Dan Feeney and Zach Wilson at the Islander game or Salah at the Nick game, um, I'm sure we'll see some people as the Nets kind of progress in the playoffs as well. Zach Wilson's a self-proclaimed Nets fan, so I'm excited about that. But I think all those types of things, they seem very small and kind of innocuous if you're, you know, the Patriots or the Chiefs or Steelers or teams that have seen success all the time. But from the Jets' perspective, any little positive energy to keep the train moving in the right direction, I think it's a, a huge you know, a huge plus, but um, someone obviously I just mentioned who's not in camp, or, you know, in OTAs, obviously a lot of Jets are there. One guy who's not is Marcus May. We've talked about this a little bit when they were, you know, dealing with whether they're going to franchise him or not. What's your take on, you know, now we're a month, month and a half out from that, you know, that deadline that he's got to sign a long-term deal. Does the long-term deal get done? Does he get traded? Does he play on the tag? Where, where are you at? You know, where are you at, at the end of May um, on how this all kind of plays out with Marcus May? Uh, I, I think from a betting odds perspective, it's probably the most likely he just plays this year on the franchise tag. I, I do think that it seems like both sides are communicating, and I just don't know how far apart they really are on exactly how many years you want to commit and how much money the Jets are willing to allocate to that position. I think May is a very good player. He's proven he's been able to stay healthy after some concerns about that early in his career. He is a little older uh, for a guy nearing a second contract because he came out of college at like 26 or whatever he did. Um, I don't know. I would be surprised if the Jets honestly made a big splash with a big new contract for him. I wonder if they're kind of just like floating something out there that hovers around that nine or $10 million, you know, range where it's kind of the same money as the franchise tag. And he, he's not in a hurry to sign that. So he could hit the market again next year. I, I guess it really depends how they evaluate the importance of safety in this scheme, how far along they think Ashton Davis is. Uh, I know they also have LaMarcus Joyner in there. That's obviously more you know, a low-cost one-year deal. I wouldn't bet on him getting a brand-new contract before the season starts. Uh, it wouldn't shock me, but I don't think it's more likely to happen than not. Uh, I could see, again, him playing out this year on the franchise tag, and maybe that is a position, again, they look to fill in a different way. I just feel like if something was going to get done, it probably would have gotten done by now. You know, you see them doing some of the other contract uh, adjustments with a guy like Alex Lewis. And again, they've had the cap space to take care of May. I, I just don't know if they are going to be aggressive enough to get him not playing on the franchise tag this year. Yeah, no, I, the one thing that's weird from a timing perspective is now that the cap for next year came out or the projected cap and it going up so much, it doesn't exactly help the Jets leverage um, if they wanted to come drive that hard bargain at like a nine or $10 million. Uh, just because now Marcus May's agent can go, well, the cap's going up and you have nobody to pay. Um, I'd like to see them get a deal done personally. I know that the importance of safety and things like that are very relevant. I just think it's the Jets have paid this Jets tax because, A, they've been very bad, but also, B, they never retain any of their you know, homegrown talent, and they're always having to backfill with free agents. I'd like to see them extend. I, I mean, I talked about this with Kyle on the pot. I've, I really don't know the last guy they extended. Like, I don't even – was it like Sanchez when they gave him like that mini extension? Like, I don't even know. Um, so, you know, I, I'd like to our see guy, Our guy, Mo Wilkerson. Oh, truly oh Mo Wilkerson. Yeah, see that one I blocked out of my memory. It's like a terrible, terrible time in everyone's life, um, as it probably was Mo Wilkerson's. But, um, you know, I, I like to see them get that done. I, I would think – I'd be comfortable with something in 
in a two to three year kind of like a mini extension there's if they start i don't think they will but uh i wouldn't go anywhere past three years just because of his age that you mentioned i think he's playing in his age 28 season already and he's going into going into his second contract which is kind of crazy to think about when you look at a guy like wilson or, or sam donald that we've talked about like we keep talking about how young these guys are or were on the jets and um, now we're talking about marcus may in the same exact spot at, at age 28 but if he has a good, another good year, he's probably not going to get, you know, re-signed. So I feel like it's kind of now or never with that extension. I'd like to see what happens. I'd like to not have to talk about it all camp. And, you know, if they're going to get it done, get it done. If not, just feel like we're playing on the franchise tag and move on. Maybe they tag him again next year. He plays at like 11.5 million or 12 million, and then he just walks after his age 29 season. But we'll see what happens there. I just, I'd like to see that kind of get done. It's probably the next guy up you know is going to be q so i'd like to see kind of how douglas operates when it comes to extensions because he drives a pretty hard bargain free agency wise as we've already seen um going into alex lewis by the way so we you mentioned this alex lewis today cut take a pay cut now he'll be a free agent next year um, i'm sure he's gonna have a ton of suitors probably not but what are your thoughts on that move as a whole because the offensive line specifically right guard and right tackle you know, George Fant looks like he's going to probably, you know, start unless something happens with Chuma. But what do you think happens at right guard now? Because obviously there's – the left side's taken care of. It's kind of all about that right guard spot, which is probably the weakest spot in their offense as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I'm not crazy about it, but it's also not that big of a deal. I mean, it's, we're talking pretty small money here, and this will basically – allow the Jets to have a little more competition in camp from a guy who does have starting experience. I think it doesn't signal to me that they're overly confident in Cam Clark being able to really push Van Routen for that job. I think every Jet fan is hoping that Clark is this diamond in the rough who's going to come out of nowhere and, and win the right guard job. And he might still be a year away uh, just because he didn't get a preseason last year and last season was so weird. So they might be saying like, you're actually going to have like a double red shirt to start your career. You'll get a lot of reps in the preseason, but you're just nowhere near ready to start in the NFL. So we want someone else in here to back up Van Rowan or to push him in camp again. There's no guarantee Lewis does make the final 53, uh, but he will at least be in camp at this point. So I do think Fant will definitely be the right tackle. I think he'll be better than he was last year in this scheme. And he was okay last year. He really wasn't terrible. Um, but I think the weak link will probably still be right guard. I, I wrote it in my prediction article today at Badlands. I do think, even though it's not what fans want to hear, I think Van Routen will be a guy who does probably start the season. I don't know if he finishes the season, but I don't think they get the long-term answer on right guard until next offseason. Yeah, no, the, the guard situation is interesting because I know uh, it kind of was – it obviously was going around Jets Twitter this morning. and The Jets don't need five pro bowlers on the offensive line. That'd be great, but that's not realistic. I just need whoever's going to play right guard to be competent. Like, they don't need to be a superstar. They don't need to – you know, be Alan Fanica or Damian Woody. They just need to be okay. And if they're at least okay, the Jets can then, you know, utilize that left side of the offensive line. Maybe they utilize a lot of times, whether it's Wesco or Herndon or Tyler Croft as an extra blocker or, um, you know, be able to give support on that right side. You know, the scheme does fit GVR decently. I don't know his upside. It seems like he's kind of going to just be who he is at this point in his career. Um, but no, the Alex Lewis thing, but I prefer they probably just cut him, um, you know, free up the space. Maybe you extend May and bring up, you take a flyer on a veteran that gets cut during camp. Sure. But cap space clearly isn't going to, is not an issue for the Jets now. It's not going to be an issue next year, probably the year after, you know, you're on, you now have the quarterback in a rookie contract. So I, I just, 
you know, Alex Lewis is, I'm interested to see how much that gay stuff affected him because I thought he was okay, if not one of the shinier spots on that horrible offensive line in 2019. And then obviously the stuff with Gase last year, I don't know what went on. I don't think anyone really knows what went on. I was never going to say what happened. But that, you can't understate that. Like the guy literally took, like, took the leave of absence from the team after being like the bright spot the year before. So is there any chance you think he wins that job? Or is you think it's just probably realistically Ben Rod, maybe Cam Clark, like you mentioned, although I think everyone needs to pump the brakes a little on the Cam Clark stuff. Like you said, the guy played at a small school, then didn't get a preseason, didn't play a snap as a rookie. And now it's going into a fresh system. Like, I have no expectation. Anything that he does on the field, I'll be happy with at this point, just because he's a late round flyer at guard. That's what happens. So, any chance you think Lewis can rebound and be a, be a Gase, uh, Gase Freedom Watch guy? I mean, I don't think it's off the table. I don't think the guy he's trying to beat out is, is that good, to be honest. So, it, you know, if he has a good camp and looks more like the guy he was for stretches of 2019 it's certainly not off the table and it's certainly not off the table that Van Routen starts week one, but struggles and they, they try to rotate through a different option. And if he's on the roster and they don't think Clark's ready, uh, it's not out of the question, you know, as much as we like Feeney, he's someone who's really not good when he's on the field. And uh, Lewis has probably even been better than him uh, over the past couple of years. So I think it's going to be one of these spots where you hope the surrounding talent of AVT and Becton and a new scheme helps elevate it and you know this is uh i think a fair hope or expectation is that could this be like a league average unit this year can it be the 16th or 17th best offensive line in the nfl instead of the 27th or 28th i think then next year you get one more big piece to go with becton and avt then i think you could hopefully make a run at the top 10 if you're if you're really rounding it out right yeah, no, I, I could not agree more on that on that sense. And, like, the Jets just need to be able to keep Zach Wilson healthy um, at the end of the day, and that's how we'll be able to properly evaluate him. If the weapons part seems to be shaping shaping up. Um, we'll see how, you know, kind of plays out with the crowders of the world and, and things like that. But if they can just keep – that right guard spot can at least not be bad. Like, if you just can be decent and someone has a good camp and wins that job, I'd love to see someone go and take that job, to be honest with you. I don't want to be, oh, Feeney is a starter because he's cool or – Greg Van Rod because it's a revenge game week one against the Panthers and we're sleeping on him. He's going to be play so well. Just someone win, someone win the job, and like grab grab it by the scruff of the neck and, and kind of go from there. But um, another guy we saw in camp first time, and he mentioned this today in his interview. He's like that Buffalo game was one of the better games of my career, and it's been frustrating. What are your quick expectations for Mosley? Do you expect 2018, 2019, like week one Mosley? Do you expect somewhere in the middle? expect even better than 20 because like I feel like I've seen hey he could be the defensive player of the year all the way to he's not even going to be on the roster opening day like being like traded I think is always um you know uh there's a happy medium here uh I don't think he's going to be defensive player of the year I don't think he's going to be an all pro I don't think he's going to be off the roster or traded I think he hasn't played in two years I think if he could be 80 to 85 percent of the guy he was in 2018 for Baltimore I think the Jets would be really happy with that. And you'd have a good, solid starter in the middle of your defense at a big position of weakness. So it's just hard to know because it's been so long. He's not that old, as Connor alluded to on our last show. He wins a little more with instincts than raw athleticism. So there's no reason to think he can't be a good starting middle backer in this defense. Is he going to be the unquestioned best 
inside linebacker in the NFL? I don't think so, but I think he could start 16 games for them and bring some needed stability uh, to a position that needs it because there's not much else at linebacker right now. It's proven at least. So I think it's a good sign that he's out there. I think uh, it's hard to blame the guy sitting out last year, considering the state of the organization and what was going on in the world. And hopefully they could get some value out of this contract in 2021. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny to look at it. And I don't want to make any uh, assumptions, but you definitely listen to CJ mostly talk and he's vaccinated and all that stuff. And I think he's probably as excited as anybody, anyone not named Sam Darnold is the most excited. Anyone not named Sam Darnold to get away from, uh, from Adam Gase, that regime as a whole. Um, another, Another position group that was mentioned and something that you've talked about a lot on Badlands, we talk a lot about TOJ Slack and things like that. The veteran corner versus going with all the young guys. I've said all offseason, unless, and you've said this as well, to give, yourself, to give you credit, and I know Steve Weish mentioned this on the pod a long time ago, the Jets were not going to invest big into a corner this offseason. They they, I think they were interested in William Jackson, but other than that, I don't think they were like going all in and spending big. I think Sal believes if he develops the D-line, develops linebackers the way he has with the Deion Jones of the world with Albrecht and then, you know, Bobby Wagner's, the Fred Warner's, and obviously hopefully CJ Mosley, that if he can just be competent everywhere else and really good, and the corner can just, they can take the pressure off. Do you agree? And do you think that actually will happen the Jets roll with pretty much the corner group, you know, maybe a waiver wire guy, but you don't see them going after a Sherman or Steven Nelson or one of these guys, right? I feel like it's, it's probably the young guys and maybe a waiver wire pickup, at, you know, some guy gets cut or injured. Um, you know, during camp. I mean, I think I, I understand the point of like, you, you don't need to bring in a veteran like a Sherman or Nelson for OTAs at this point. You want to see what you have with the young guys. And I think guys at that stage of their career and even Brian Poole, they are in no rush to do these practices if they don't have to. So if you are going to add one of those guys, that's the kind of thing that happens like a week before training camp or the week of training camp. Again, no guarantee that that happens. There's going to be a lot of people out there who are looking at the cornerback market and looking to make some late additions. I think a veteran will be added at some point. Will it be the name veteran that some of us have been expecting? I don't know. It's probably 50-50. Hopefully Pierre Desir makes a return. I'm yeah, excited well, about his my, return. Yeah, I mean, my God. I mean, can't. I mean, if you look at the starting situation last year, there really is nowhere to go but up. But even just from a depth perspective, you're going to have to get some more bodies in there. I think pool is probably the most likely of the three because he's comfortable here. You can get him on the veterans minimum. You feel a little better about slot with someone with some experience there. I think Sherman's going to canvas every offer he could get. And only if he cannot find a contender uh, who's going to pay him, would he end up here? Um, you know, Nelson, I think is fine. I think he's probably being a little overhyped by jet fans. There's a reason he's still a free agent right now. So it's something to watch. I mean, their current depth chart is concerning. There's no way to cut it. I mean, I like I like what we saw from Bryce Hall, but it was a really small sample size, and he has injury concerns. Blessed Austin's been inconsistent and hurt, and that's kind of it. Then you got Javelin Goodry, who's played like a game and a half, and, <laughs> and a bunch of rookies. So getting another veteran in there, or even two, honestly, would certainly not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, no, I just think it's – I I think people overreact a little bit today when they're like, oh, they're not going to bring in a veteran corner. Like, that's not what they're saying, but what Salah said, it couldn't be more accurate. And I honestly feel the same way. Like I almost wish Devin Coleman signed, uh, you know, two weeks later, like, you know, signed this time with the Jets, just because I feel like the veteran, the amount of time during OTAs or the new system, that's going to be so imperative for these young guys, like Michael Carter and Ty Johnson, Huron, however we feel about them, should be taking every rep during OTAs to get its custom this system. Tevin Coleman's played in it, right? Corner. These guys need to get as many reps, especially like they're all so young. 
I think I don't think anyone's above the age of 25. I believe maybe Bless Austin's 26, but they're all rookie deal, like young guys. It's probably good from a safety perspective that they brought in a bunch of these guys, and Ashton Davis can take every single rep of, at safety. Like this is it's super super important. Um, it's a new system on defense. It's a new you're playing a new front. You're playing a new system. You're playing a new system on offense. There's a brand new coaching staff. Every single one of these reps matters. And look, if the Jets do something, do make a surprise move here and, and go with you know go with a big name guy, you know maybe Richard Sherman says in you know in two months from now he's getting ready or a month and a half he's getting ready to get you know getting some offers. Say the Jets will overpay me a little and I can go be the a veteran leader. They do need a veteran leader in the room. I feel the same way about quarterback. I don't think. I understand not wanting to giving Zach Wilson every you know opportunity to just kind of get every rep, but I do think it'd be imperative to not have Mike White and James Morgan as your mentors. I don't think that's that's good for Zach Wilson. And I also think from the corner perspective, these guys, you know, Bryce Hall is a smart guy at University of Virginia, but he's 23 years old. I'm not sure him mentoring, you know, after eight games mentoring both you know Michael Carter number two and, and Pinnock and all these guys is a great idea. So I like to see the Mad Veterans there. Last couple of things I want to quickly touch on, and I'm prefacing this with I understand it's not realistic and it probably 95% will not happen. But if you were Joe Douglas, do you call Atlanta and how aggressive were you about, you know, Julio Jones in the theoretical world that the Jets would make, you know, that call? I mean, I think you always do due diligence. Uh, you should always be exploring any option like this. Julio Jones is, you know, going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I think he still has some gas left in the tank. I, again, I'm sure he is in his mind looking for someone who is considered being closer to a Super Bowl. Uh, I think the Jets will probably do their diligence. I don't see it likely to happen. It sounds like this deal could shake out to being a future first uh, rather than a mid-rounder this year, like a second rounder this year. And I don't know. I, I just I have a hard time seeing. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't strongly consider it because I like the – 2015 Brandon Marshall factor for Zach Wilson, even if you only get one good season out of Julio, because it help, will help him a lot. I just think he's more likely to go to a different AFC team, you know, whether that's the Chargers, hopefully it's not New England. I mean, the Ravens should definitely be aggressive for him. The Titans, I know, are kicking some stuff around on social media. I think the Jets should kick the tires. I just don't think it's likely to happen. Yeah, the thing with Julio, I just, the Jets should do it. They won't do it, and I understand why they won't do it. And for Julio, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but if the price, which was reported earlier in the week, it's kind of hard to tell with some of these stuff because you never know who's leaking what. Um, if it was like a two, I would be like, just give the sand pick for Julio right now, trade Crowder for a middle-round pick, maybe a four or five, and you basically get Julio for Crowder and Crowder and dropping down two rounds. The Jets have the cap to do it. Obviously, a receiving core of Mims, Elijah Moore, Julio and Corey Davis would be ridiculous and it'd probably be the best receiving core the Jets have ever had. Again, I don't think this is going to happen. I think, like you mentioned, Tennessee, Baltimore, the Chargers, Rams. I'm really hoping not Miami and New England. They both scare me because although I don't love the quarterback situation in either spot, that both those receiving cores with Julio and the Jets, which we just talked about, lack of corners um, would be difficult, especially because another thing that's not being mentioned, the Jets-Atlanta game. I'll get your thoughts quickly on this. If they trade Julio, that game becomes a lot more winnable, especially with you don't really know what Atlanta's going to look like. Calvin Ridley's sick and Pitts is going to be awesome, but not having to cover one additional guy and that not being a true road game now. We took it all. 
we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I don't know. I think that game became a lot more winnable if Julio's not there. Very good point. And I'm going to do everything I can to get out to London. And I'd like to see a more, a more winnable game. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, that, I think that's a signal of that team that they're, they consider themselves a little more in rebuilding mode. Still going to be a dangerous offense with Ridley and Pitts if he, hit, you know, if he hits the ground running and with Smith calling the plays. But definitely makes that game drift more towards uh, the winnable column, as I'm sure the Jets will probably be underdogs in that one, considering how early in the season it is. So I do think he's going to get moved. It's just a matter of when and where. I think it will probably happen in the next week or so. Just too much smoke for it not to move quick at this point. Is there anything, um, speaking of that, that stood out minus the Julio stuff? Obviously, there's, you know, there's always rumors, stuff fluttering. You see people for the first time, these rookies and stuff. Has anything kind of changed your outlook um, positively or negative on the Jets since the draft? Is there anything that's kind of popped up like, oh, Matt Jones looks terrible or Tua looks great or whatever, you know, whatever that is. Is there anything that's kind of popped out? You're like, oh, that game maybe is more going to be more winnable than I thought. Like the Jacksonville game for me personally stands out. It's like, that's a, the Jets should win that game. I, I just, they're, they're, they already seem like a disaster. Even if Trevor Lawrence is awesome, I just don't know how they're going to overcome. I don't know how much he can overcome. Is there anything else that's kind of stood out for you in the first now we're through rookie minicamp, OTAs, Barry a month out from the draft. Anything that's going to change on your optimism or not optimism considering, you know, for the 2021 season? Uh, nothing really. I mean, I think it's hard to get too much of a read on some of this stuff in OTAs. I, I really like their draft class a lot, and I, I like – the just the energy and the sentiment around this team right now it's just it's so very refreshing from the past couple of years i think in my mind it's a seven or eight win team i i still think there's a lot of limitations on this roster there's still questions on the offensive line cornerback is not a good group on paper linebacker still has a ton of questions that being said you look at some of the games they have this year you know you're playing houston you're playing jacksonville you're playing cincinnati you're playing denver carolina uh, there's winnable games there. And I, I think they'll be competitive in their AFC East games and, and steal one or two. So I think it feels like a seven win team. Uh, I may end up ticking up towards eight. If Wilson ends up really hitting the ground running as a rookie, I don't have any problems with people picking the jets to be last in the AFC East because that that's where they belong until they prove otherwise they haven't done enough to uh, earn the benefit of the doubt, but I think it's about a seven or eight win team. If you ask me now. Yeah, no, I, I, keep getting stuck between six and nine wins. And I can't figure out if I'm being like, even if the pro one point that was brought up to me that I actually find interesting is like the chargers still only won five. I think they won five and 11 last year. Maybe gone six and 10. Herbert was on like incredible. And everyone's like, what if he has Herbert's rookie year? The things that I would say to the counter that argument is that the jet schedule is easier than chargers was by a lot. Um, also, they don't have Anthony Lynn as their head coach. And Anthony Lynn's an incredible dude, great position coach, coordinator, has a head coach. Notoriously, they've lost a million one-possession games. Herbert only played 15 of those. Um, so I, I don't think we should get too wrapped up in how Herbert's rookie year record impacted how good he was. I know you mentioned this this morning. If Wilson's 80 or 85% of <laughs> Herbert's rookie year, we're going to have a field day and probably have to sign him to an extension 
next year. Um, but no, I think, look, if they can get a couple things break their way injury wise and time and game wise, and people sleep on them early in the year, look, they can, maybe they, maybe they win nine games, but realistically seven, eight wins feels right. Unless a move unprecedented that all of a sudden they get Julio in turn, which again, will not happen. I'm just prefacing that if something like that did happen, yes, then I'm now going to trend toward nine wins, but like, you know, I just think there's a lot of optimism around the team. If you want to fill the people in who or don't know, obviously you got some exciting stuff coming up on Badlands. If you want to, you want to plug that a little bit because I know you got some stuff that uh, that the fans are gonna really, really enjoy, and I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, our uh, audio docu series, our next audio docu series, drops on Badlands on June 4th. Uh, it's going to be a four part series that is a deep dive into their 2021 20, draft class. We'll have an episode focused on. Zach Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker episode one is going to feature Daniel Jeremiah. It's already in the can. It came out great. We're very excited about that one. Uh, then we're going to move episode two, uh, talking about the defensive draft picks episode three, focusing on the skill positions with Moore and Carter. And then episode four, we got a nice little surprise for you guys that we're not going to spoil yet, but make sure you are signed up at patreon.com backslash badlands TOJ still have our normal weekly pods and articles rolling there as well. And that's uh, that's it. Everyone enjoy their Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, no, it's uh, we. Have, I'm very excited about that. Next week, uh, we have Lindsey Jones from the Athletic coming on. Uh, it's part of the Athletic Football Show. We had Robert Mays on earlier in the year. I'm um, get interested to see Lindsey's perspective. We have some people come talk on talk about from BYU, talk about Zach Wilson. We've got some you know current Jets players coming on. I don't want to spoil that yet. Some former Jets players. We got some a lot a lot of stuff happening on the TOJ pod. TOJ Live Wednesdays, um, you know, Steven Zant, Steven Russo as well. Draft season's going to be in a little bit of a hiatus now, but check out their final episode. Then obviously continue to follow along here and, um, you know, Joe and, Joe and Connor and Badlands Pod. And excited to, excited to hear Daniel Jeremiah talk a little bit about uh, this Jets draft class. But make sure everyone enjoys their uh, Memorial Day weekend. And, uh, we'll talk to you on Monday.